great Scott. Are you a sports fan who loves to have a good laugh? Oh, yeah. Then you're in the right place. I'm going to make him an offer again. Life moves pretty fast. Welcome to the Man Cave Chronicles. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's podcast. This week I have actor and voice actor also, uh, Jeff Turavain and uh, Jeff, what's going on? I don't know, but you did a great job with the name. That's the main, <laughs> the main thing. Ah, uh, yeah, having fun, just getting ready for Christmas and holidays, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, what's new uh, with you on your on your end? Well, um, all kinds of stuff. Really. And here's the, the drag about the industry. I don't know if you've come across this. They're called NDAs, and uh, I was asking the ones, the things I've been working on most recently, can I say something? One of them is a video game, uh, which has just been pushed back till March. So originally I could have said something, but they're saying don't say anything until at least January, February now. But I've been working for a year on this one in particular, and I am so pumped and excited to... uh, for it to get out and, and share and all that kind of stuff. It's uh, it's one of the bigger vi- video games, and uh, I play a, uh, one of the supporting roles on it, plus I do a lot of the other stuff on it as well. So, yeah, that and some film and that sort of thing. Yeah. Best known for Dark Matter, uh, 12 Monkeys, and you've also done voiceovers for video games. Yeah, I mean, I've, I'm all over the map. But, um, yeah, I mean, probably Dark Matter is the, the thing that I, I'm definitely most known for around um it really seemed to connect it was a smaller role but it grew and uh i think part of that was just the fan reaction was was so good i i was to be honest with you i was completely floored you start getting fan mail and different things like that and i'm thinking i'm i'm not uh, worthy of the level of stuff you're getting here people are making t-shirts and sending you things and art and everything so yeah it's uh, i still have trouble actually when i receive some of this stuff thinking to myself i'm not big enough to get this so <laughs> Yeah, it's free stuff. Who doesn't like free stuff? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, you were also on Designated Survivor. Yep. Yeah, how was it working on that? Well, it was amazing. There's there's a rumor that I keep hearing from some people I'm still involved with the show uh, that my character's coming back, but uh, it was amazing. I mean, Kiefer's a great guy. Um, that's one thing I was talking the other day, having coffee with uh, an actor friend of mine, and I have yet to have a bad experience on set, whether it's uh, A to C listers or whatever. Um, but yeah, he's a great guy. Um, everybody on the show was great. Uh, they work crazy hours. I, I, I honestly don't know how they live. Uh, most sets you're on, you know, they'll, they'll do like an eight to 12 hour day somewhere in between. There's sort of a normal day on a TV show. Those, those guys were doing 18 hours and then showing up the next morning to do another 18 hour day. And they have, what is it? 22 episodes. Yeah. So, I mean, those guys work hard. It's, those are long days and I'm not complaining. I just, I'm amazed at their, their fortitude. So uh, we'll get back to talking about the shows. First off, uh, let's tell tell listeners a little bit about yourself, like uh, where you're from and how did you get into <laughs> acting? Well, I was uh, I, I I grew up in a very small town. Like uh, I don't know if you remember the Andy Griffith show, but that was kind of like that. Yeah. And yeah, basically uh, started moving closer to the city, and I got in music. Uh, music was my biggest thing growing up. Um, we never made it big, but we had records out like independent records we were always sort of on the cusp of signing this big deal Uh, we went to la uh, and all that sort of thing to be scouted out and it just didn't happen that way but we had videos on much music and one day after being broke as a musician because there's no money and if you're not really making it big uh we i just kind of gave it up there was a lot of stuff that happened and 
went through a couple of years of doing sales and business and hated it. And I got scouted for modeling when I was at a club and I thought, okay, this is a great way to uh, make a bit of money and meet girls, which <laughs> it's a great way to meet money, yeah. <laughs> get money and meet girls. But uh, when I did that, I did a commercial and I thought, man, I, I love this feeling of being on set. So I just started taking it more seriously and taking classes and whatever else. And it grew from there. It's been a slow burn, but it's been fun. I guess I've been doing this full time 15 years now and, you know, knock on wood, it's, it's been amazing. I've having to have, haven't had to have a real job in that whole period and we've done well. So, yeah. Did you, um, like, so what, when you like graduated from like high school, stuff like that, did you like go to college for acting or it was more like, I'm going to go no, pursue something else? Yeah. Just that it was all music. Um, like we had a, in Canada, we had a, our own version of, uh, I think you had it down there too, called Much Music. And we had videos on there. You know, we'd sell out shows and we toured and we did all that sort of stuff. But it was, as an independent, the, the money's not there. So it looked cool on stage, but it wasn't glamorous off stage. You know, we, I was getting groceries for Christmas and things like that. <laughs> so, yeah, like, seriously. Yeah, but, you got uh, to survive somehow. Yeah. And I mean, we were playing, we weren't playing poppy stuff. We were more alternative in that. So the money, you know, the odd band gets through, but you know, it's, it's a very, very tough business. So yeah, I did that. But once I, like I said, once I got that commercial, I really bit into it. I, I started getting coaching, private coaching, which I still do today. Uh, I had a big audition this week for something. And instead of just, you know, relying on myself, I will go to, um, actually it's Allison down from 12 monkeys. She's, she's one of the main characters on the show. And I consider her to be one of the best actors out there. So I love being able to bounce off ideas of her and say, you know, just to make sure I'm on the right track or, you know, she could say, Jeff, no, don't do that. That's not a good idea. Yeah. Well, what was the first commercial that you did? Um, it was a company called Zeller's, which is kind of like a Walmart type company. They're, they're out of business now. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, you know, I just remember because my cousin uh, just happened to be on wardrobe, which made me so nervous knowing that she was going to go back and tell him, you know, the whole, my dad's family, basically that I saw Jeff, he was in a commercial and he was really bad. And sure enough, uh, <laughs> it was my turn to be on camera. I was so nervous that my lip was actually quivering. Like it was actually moving. So I remember the director, his name was Rob quarterly. He's a big video director, did a lot of big videos. So I was nervous about that too. And he came in and he's like, Jeff, you're doing a good job, man. Just relax, relax. And I could not get the lip to stop. And sure enough, I got cut out. <laughs> And my cousin went back and told everybody that that was terrible. <laughs> but I'm sure you bounced back after that. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I just I like the whole feel of the set thing. And then after that, I did a better commercial. And you know, you you start getting more time in front of the camera, and that and you become more relaxed. And I mean, really, it's at the end of the day, if you're not having fun doing it, then there's better or easier ways to make money. I think um, so. You better enjoy it. And I, I just started, you know, having fun with it. So uh, what do you think has been your biggest achievement so far? You know, I don't know. Uh, I think Dark Matter for sure is my favorite character I played. Uh, I got to have the most fun with him. And that set in general was just so much fun to go to work on because I always said I felt like uh, I was a close cousin to the main cast and the producers and everybody. They treated you like family. So you really had fun. And, and that role just kept growing and growing. So I would say that's my favorite on camera. Off camera, like voice, um, Far Cry 2 was a big one that was a real major moment for me because my it was one of the main characters. and I just remember being in London, England and seeing ads and magazine uh, covers for that game everywhere and thinking, man, I'm part of this. 
that was made. I did. I've done the Olympics. I've been the voice of the Olympics uh, twice in the World Cup, FIFA World Cup. Yeah. So those were kind of big things. I mean, it's kind of cool for me because those are the kind of gigs that my family or my dad and that kind of thing will be like, "Wow, he's the voice of the Olympics." You know, I'll try to show him a show that I've been on, and it's like pulling teeth to get him to watch yeah. it. But were those the, but, the Olympics for Canada when they were there? Yeah, like uh, for the voice. Uh, these are for the voice for the Canadian broadcasting. So. Okay. Um, they, you know, like you would down in the States, they, all the, the stories on the athletes, the things that are going on every day. Yeah. I was the voice for all that stuff. It, it was kind of a big deal up here. Same with like, uh, uh, hockey night in Canada, which is one of the biggest shows in Canada, of course, cause we're crazy about hockey up here. Yeah. And you know, when I became the voice on that, suddenly again, everybody just looked at you a little differently. It's like, wow, the voice of hockey. Night. I guess you're doing well. I don't know. You do all this other stuff, nobody notices, and you're a hockey guy, and next thing you know, you're like a pseudo-celebrity. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, so how do you try to improve your acting skills every day? Oh, man, it's a constant work. Just, I think it's like anything, though. Um, I, I try to be as open-minded as I can to what people are telling you because, really, you got to adapt. And you want to be busy because the more you do it, it's like a muscle. The hardest part always for me was learning lines, uh, and it still is. Some days it's like pulling teeth. Other times it, they just stick to you like, I, like glue. And I don't know what the right formula is because, you know, like I said, it varies. But that's that's the hard part. I mean, you'll get an addition saying you've got plans and your daughter's got a, you know, a Christmas concert and you find out that um, you have to, tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock, have this audition down and you have to own it. You have to know it. You're a serial killer or something like that. And you've got nine pages of dialogue, and there's a lot of stuff in there. And it's like, show up the next morning. You can't look at the paper. You've got to know it all, all by heart. That's the hard part of the job. And if you don't get it, you don't get paid. Yeah. You know, so it's uh, it can be a lot of work, but I just keep trying to learn from everything I do, <laughs> make notes. You know, why did I remember this one so well? Yeah. Has there has there been times where you've gone in there and you're like, oh man, like after you leave in you know, after going in there, trying out, and you're like, oh, shit, I should have done it this way. I should have done it that way. Oh, man. Yeah, that's, you know, and most most good coaches and stuff and courses, they'll tell you you got to leave it at the door because all you can do is, is do the best you can. Because really, casting is so much out of your hands. Uh, when you get in that room, you know, you present your take on what you think this character and the scene would be like, and then you have to leave because that's all, all you can do. You know, it, they could be looking for somebody completely different physically or, you know, just a different delivery, but they still thought you were great. But, you know, at the same point, I've, I've walked out of additions and I'm not joking. I'm not a crier, but like when you put the time in sometimes uh, that you in, into the prep and you blow it, and you walk out of that room realizing you had such an opportunity. I remember walking out, I, in, actually in tears. Uh, I was so upset <laughs> with how I did this thing. I couldn't get through the scene without screwing up. And I remember the director was in the room saying, no, dude, just read it if you want. I, I like what you're doing. But still, I couldn't get out. And a day later, I find out that I landed the role. It was for Covert Affairs, which was a cool little show. Yeah. You know, So you never know. I mean, sometimes the worst auditions you do are the, the, the best. best in their eyes. Yeah. Um, and of course, you know, most of the auditions get recorded too. So do you ever go back and like watch them? Well, yeah, you don't, they, they generally don't show you. I, I'd be interested in seeing some of them, actually the ones I landed. Yeah. But these days there's a lot of what they call self-taping. So you either go to a place or I, I do it in my house. I just buy the equipment and you, you put yourself on tape just like you would in the room. I prefer that in a way because you know, I can give them the best take I want as opposed to you You show up at their place, you're nervous, you do a take, and 
you know, you might get one more if you're lucky, but usually you're in and out. Yeah. This way I can give them as I, as exactly as I want it to be. Yeah. I had a pre- and you, I do watch them. Yeah. <laughs> They're terrible. I was going to say, I had a previous guest on that told me that that's like the new thing now or for years now that you, you could just do it at <clears> home and just send it in and be done. Yeah. I mean, again, it's just a, the, the pressure in those rooms is, is, is pretty intense. I mean, cause you know, actors want to act it's and, and it's a job for most people. It really is a job, you know? And, so it's important that you do a good job, and you can imagine the pressure. It's game day, yeah. and especially you know sometimes the directors are in there, and and I've I've had auditions where it seems like you're looking in your peripheral, which you try not to do, but you see it, and the, you know the guy's buried in a laptop, and that you're thinking this sucks. I've worked my ass off for this, yeah. and they're not even watching. And then you book it because I guess you know they're making notes about you, but you, there's so many things that can get in your head during the the audition process. Yeah. You know, you sit in the lobby and. You know, you're looking around the room and you see these actors that you you admire so much, which I'm finding I'm getting a lot now because the roles I'm going for are, are thankfully they're bigger. But it's at the same point, you're looking at these guys thinking, my God, I can't even believe I'm in the room with this guy. The Man Cave Chronicles on Twitter at the MCC podcast. We'll be right back. Hey guys, Brian Padone here, founder of Quiet Punch. When I'm not listening to the Man Cave Chronicles, you can catch me filming one of my live workouts on quietpunch.com. Check it out today. That's quietpunch.com. Hey, this is Keith Coogan, uh, Brad, and Adventures of Babysitting, Kenny in downtown on Babysitter's Dad, and you're listening to the Man Cave Chronicles podcast. He's amazing. Do you find it like, you know, like we're talking about the thing about, um, you know, it's probably easier for you to do it at home with facing one camera instead of having like 30 people in the room watching you. Yeah, I mean, with auditions, it's different because usually there's like, there might be some production people there, but sometimes it's just the casting director and, and the, their little crew to film it. On set, I love it. I mean, when I get on a huge set, some of my favorite moments were where, I mean, I had this big scene where I had to walk towards this waterfall and get in a conversation. There must have been 100 extras, background workers. And, you know, plus the guys in the scene. And I just remember thinking, this is so cool. I feel like I'm doing something mega, you know? It's, so I don't, I don't find I get nervous about that. It kind of, kind of gives me an energy. Yeah. What do you, what, what's some advice that you give to people that, that, you know, they talk to you, you know, on set, like how to get better and, you know, if they want to continue into the acting world? Um, don't do it. <laughs> no, I'm joking. No, I, I actually give people advice all the time. Um, but, you know, I, I always say, though, I'm not probably your best person to go to for it. Um, with acting, it's I think the main thing is just try to have fun. Because, again, so many times I've been lucky to even land something. And I put so much pressure on myself. I'm in my trailer. You get this beautiful trailer given to you, say, with, you know, everything, every amenity known to, to man. And I'm not using it because I'm pacing my, my room uh, running lines. And I know my lines. But I'm paranoid that I don't. So, you know, I've tried to cut down on doing that and actually just enjoy it. Maybe hang out with the actors if they want to, or talk to people and read a magazine. Yeah. So enjoy it. If you don't, if you're, if you're too intense, it'll show up in your, uh, in your thing. And same with voice. You know, I, I, I've tried to help out some people, and I've actually screwed myself because uh, the best one was uh, I was the voice of Toyota for Canada for many years, and this casting director has an amazing voice. I, I kept telling him, "Why are you doing it on that side? You should be doing voice. You think so? Yeah, yeah, you should be doing it." Sure enough, uh, a few months later, he took it seriously and replaced me on Toyota. 
<laughs> so I'm only telling uh, girls and people with very high voices. <laughs> there you go. What are uh, who are like some of your inspirations in the in the industry that you that you've looked up to? Um, for acting wise, yeah, there's there's just so many. Like I think of everybody just on the top of my head, like Kate Blanchett or um, uh, Viggo Mortensen. Uh, you know, I, I, there's just so many, uh, and the names are escaping me. The guy from The Wire, the, the main guy, he's un- unbelievable. Uh, Gandolfini. Yeah, I, I could just keep riffing for, for hours about how blown away I am by so many people. You know, I like Brad Pitt. Yeah. Um, I, I think he's an amazing actor, and I think maybe he's starting to get credit, but, you know, he was this really good-looking guy, so I think a lot of people didn't take him seriously. But there's a guy that really goes out of his way to usually pick roles that are different and tries to do different things with him, you know, instead of just relying on his looks kind of thing. Yeah. So I, I admire that in the guy. Do you have a, like a, like a dream role that you wish you play someday? Oh man. So many, I mean, the shows that I watch, you know, to get on a show like Westworld or something like that, you know, that HBO kind of show, yeah. uh, HBO and, uh, you know, Showtime, those things, uh, I'm hoping I'll get more access to, the, to those in the future because we're, you know, we're just in the last stages of getting my U.S. papers to visas. So to be able to go down there and work legally will be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so, you, I mean, there's just so many be- beautiful shows. Yeah. So. What are some of your favorite uh, TV shows right now and movies? Um, right now, Westworld. Uh, I just binged that. Uh, Game of Thrones, uh, The Affair. Uh, yeah, there's, there's so many. Like... Anything on those networks, I find you're going to... Stranger Things was amazing. I just finished watching that. You know, those are just top-notch shows. The the writing and the talent behind uh, the camera on those shows now has just gone up. I find that the shows are as good or better than movies. Like, you know, there was always sort of like TV was great, but movies sort of take it to a different level. I find that because you've got the time in a show to flesh things out and... And you add that with the actual talent that has gone into to TV now from the movies. It's just, it's unbeatable. Like, I look at Game of Thrones and it's, this is like big budget movies, but it's like a weekly thing. It's, yeah. I knew someone that was on Game of Thrones. I would love to just be even a background actor on that show. Yeah. It's so good. Well, time's running out on that show. Was it like, have, a, have another, one more season left? I think yeah, and they're probably done filming for all I know. Yeah. Um, and I think you're right about that whole how it feels like TV shows have taken over movies. Yeah. Well, what I what I heard, I I read a great interview actually with Kiefer Sutherland, and they were he was talking about how when the last uh, sort of depression thing hit there, whatever you call it, the recession, um, the money had dropped out of film, so we had all these amazingly talented screenwriters and you know everybody looking for work. And TV said, well, we still have a budget. We'd love to work for you. And they said, okay, let's do it. And suddenly television's level of quality suddenly went exploded. Yeah. And that's that's what they attribute it to. So. And it's also like, you know, before we went on the air, we were talking about how, you know, like, you know, now you have Netflix, you have Amazon Prime, you have Hulu, and they all want to do TV shows too. Yeah. And, and for the most part, you know, they're, they're doing really quality stuff. You know, yeah. they're just, again, there just seems to be a, a, a leg up on this, the, sort of the standard fare, yeah. which is great. And even YouTube is getting to the game now, too. Yeah, I mean, there's so much there, there's so much stuff in, in, in terms of platforms. I, I did this great show uh, for what's called Black Pills. It's an app. Um, it's available in the States. It's called The show I did was called Played. And there's a lot of, like, there's even A-list actors that are producing stuff on there. But if, uh, you know, your listeners want to see a good show, it's a... 
sort of based on virtual reality and, and terrorism. And you know, I have a recurring character on it. But when I saw the quality of the show, I was floored. It's a really well-produced show. And it's it's just available on an app. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that Also that, too. There's a lot of apps out there. That's all they have is streaming. You know, not, yeah. not, not talking about like Netflix and Hulu, but there's other apps that have sh- like web series and shows on there. Yeah, exactly. And I, I laugh because, again, I'm behind the scenes, you know, on the daily with these guys and I'm seeing what's going on into the lighting and the, the sound and all that stuff. And you realize that, you know, these people are not watching on a, on a big screen. They're watching it on their, their iPhone. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, so many people are doing that now anyways. You know, yeah. you get X-Men or something like that and they're watching on an, <laughs> you're watching it on a, yeah. an iPhone, which is kind of a Tra- tragedy because again when you look at the production values of some of these things and the and the time and money spent to make these things look like an explosion of color say and somebody's watching it on the subway <laughs> on their phone right. you have kids right Isn't that what you told me yeah thing? i've yeah. got one daughter yeah seven so you're probably the same the, the same boat as i am you know your tv's bait your tv's being taken by your daughter watching trolls for the hundredth time or whatever and you have to watch something on your phone because you can't watch that well, anymore. Well, I, I've lucked out, honestly, man. I, I, um, not only the she, most of the stuff that she watches kid-wise, uh, she watches on the iPad. So yeah. and she's happy. Again, younger generation doesn't care if they get on the big TV. Yeah. But the cool thing with her is that I've tried to indoctrinate her into good stuff since she was little. So she's addicted right now to my favorite show of all time, which is The Twilight Zone from the 50s and 60s. Oh, nice. Yeah, I mean it's 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 my favorite show. It's it's an unbelievably intelligent show, and it was groundbreaking in so many ways. And today, still directors, film people, everybody will say that's probably their favorite show ever. And here's my seven-year-old glued to me on the couch every night, begging me, you know, <laughs> can we watch it again? Can we watch two episodes tonight? Yeah. So uh, I, I'm in my glory. Yeah, I have a two and a half year old daughter, and uh, that's different. <laughs> and she, you know, she of course she watches, you know, like her Mickey Mouse and stuff like that. But there's times where like, no, tonight we're watching Tom and Jerry or we're watching Looney Tunes, you know, the old stuff. Yes, just uh, you know, get her to like the old stuff too. Yeah, I, I, I again with that stuff, I tried to get her to watch the Bugs Money things because it's great, right? Because you get to relive your childhood exactly through them and it's not like you're ready to you know like shoot yourself after an hour because the shows are so bad or like that these were fun they were again they were crafty in those ones oh yeah something for everybody and we can still watch them at our age which is great yeah exactly like i'm i'm laughing my head off watching these things and 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 i don't have to feel like i'm yes i'm doing a good father thing watching you know smurfs or whatever that because i don't know so uh how did you uh get into the voiceover for like video games um you know what? I think it was just a matter of uh, bugging my agent a lot. We were lucky in, in Toronto, where I live, because uh, Ubisoft came. And uh, yeah, and then Montreal, too, the other big studio. So when those guys came to town, there was a lot more opportunity. The first game, though, I did, though, was Resident Evil. Um, one of the ones, I forget the which one it was, but Biohazard or something. But I was so pumped to work on that because, again, I'm a huge video game guy. Like, I love games. That's probably why I have most of the bags under my eyes is because I, I don't play in the day or when my daughter's awake. I'll, I'll go down there at 11 o'clock at night and play for a couple hours and then get up the next day because I just I love games. So, yeah, when I got on Resident Evil, I was it was like I'd won the lottery. Yeah. What about uh, Splinter Cell? Yeah, I mean, Splinter Cell is another amazing one. Uh I on that one I played uh, uh, a few characters, but I was also like the what they call American soldier, um, where basically that means like anytime there's a bad guy, so to speak, who's American, uh, I would be one of those guys. So 
you know, I'm in almost every scene or, or every, uh, like cut scene or every, um, what do you call it? Uh, during gameplay, if there's a bad guy doing something bad, it was probably me talking, (laughs) (laughs) but I mean, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I mean, now with the, with the, the one I'm working on now, I almost said the name and it was going to have to cry about that one, but (laughs) the one I've been working on now, uh, I, I do all the mocap and stuff like that as well. So it's, it's like real acting. You, you do scenes and stuff with the actors and props and things. And, you wear these crazy suits and helmets and then they pick everything up, which is really cool. And then afterwards I'm also playing like that sort of American soldier thing again and losing my voice from screaming and dying and stuff. I was asked to ask you if you heard of anything, any more splinter cell games coming out. Yeah. I I've heard rumors that there is going to be one. Okay. And I mean, that's not official, but I, I, I'm like most people I'll read up on things and I've heard. Yeah. Many times now that there's going to be a new splinter cell. Are you a fan of the new call of duty? You know, I haven't, I haven't even opened it yet. Uh, I have it. Um, I love the Call of Duty gameplay. There are, uh, uh, sorry, by that I mean like the stories and the uh, like the cinematics, everything. It's they're incredible. The only thing I didn't like playing online, I just found it was just a lot of running around. Where I like Battlefield. I don't know if you follow Battlefield. Battlefield I played the me, last one. Yeah, the Battlefield one I didn't really get into because I'm more into technology. But the Battlefield. Three or four, I think it was called, um, which is more like modern warfare. Man, those I'm addicted to that stuff. I, I have a like a team I play on and everything like that, yeah. which is really cool in itself because one guy's from Sydney, Australia. There's another guy who's a former ex uh, uh, army ranger from uh, Georgia, and a couple other guys throughout the U.S. and my brothers. And you know, we all play real time and cover for each other and stuff like that. It's like voodoo magic or something. <laughs> you know, it's just so weird that we're all working together from all over the world at the same time fighting these other guys uh lastly uh since you're from canada i have to ask this question hockey fan yeah i mean i I like it but i and i used to play it like crazy i was huge into sports but i kind of fell out of it my brother's nuts like he's it's like a religion for him i'm into i'm into motorcycle racing um that's my my big thing yeah is that a big thing in your in the toronto no no not at all no it's more like, like european thing yeah, I mean, it's big down the States, too. You guys have some amazing riders that I follow, sort of like my home team. Um, so there's a lot of stuff happening this season I'm excited about for that. But, yeah, I'm, I'm addicted to to motorcycle racing. I've been over to the Spanish Grand Prix as a guest a few times now, which is unbelievable because they go crazy for it over there. And, I mean, the talent of these guys is otherworldly. Toughest athletes, I think, in the world. Yeah. I mean, you guys, you got guys that uh, – I mean, hockey, all those, those sports are bruising, but – you know, you take a guy like, say, Jack Miller on Friday during practice, he has a wipeout. That's basically, imagine, like, sort of jumping off the front of your car at 120 miles an hour. Jeez. He does a high side, breaks his collarbone to pieces, goes, flies out to the clinic, gets surgery, they put plates in, and Saturday morning he goes back out on track. You know, imagine the pain you'd be in. Yeah. Qualifies on pole and races the next day. That happens all the time with these guys. They're, they are otherworldly. Yeah. Well, especially if there's money involved, you know, you don't want to sit there and miss on the money too yeah but i mean i always think of myself like i don't know what these guys are like in retirement because with all of the times they wipe out on the track with nothing but leather and a little bit of padding you know your body can only take so much so i wonder if they're hobbling around the rest of their life in pain but you know hopefully not but you just you you see that level of intensity and, and the willingness to compete and you know i can't help but admire amazing athletes so you said there's a video game coming out in 2018, and uh, what other future projects are you looking forward to in 2018? 
Well, uh, there's a new show coming out again. That's the other thing. And then there's the movie, and all of which I was told that keep my mouth shut. <laughs> so, so when all those come out, you'll have to come back on the show to talk about it. I'd love to. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to. I can't wait to talk about uh, the game for sure. And the one movie in particular, I'm really excited because it's, uh, it's not a huge part, but it's a very integral part of a huge movie. Um, like it's one of those big as you can get, I could say. Yeah. And I, I think I'm the last person speaking in the movie, so it's really cool. But again, I was like, can I, can I say anything about it? No. Nope. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, these days it's so secretive, even on auditions. Um, you know, I guess I could say it now because it's out. But, you know, I, I, I've been up for Star Trek a couple times. And even to get the, uh, the sides for that, you had to sign your life away. Yeah. And, you know, it wasn't called Star Trek. It was called something else. So it's very, very secretive now. Um, you know, it, it's not, not just me, but I've talked to other actors where it's like, dude, I'm, I'm doing a, you know, a podcast. I'm doing an interview somewhere. Can I say something with this? It's like, not until you get the golden clearance. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> all right. So, uh, lastly, uh, how can the listeners find you? Twitter, Instagram? Yeah, I'm all over Twitter. Uh, Jeff Turvanen on Twitter and Jeff Turvanen on Instagram. Uh, Don't do Facebook really. I, uh, in fact, I'm hardly ever on anymore, but just find it's kind of negative and cat it's either negative stuff or cat pictures but uh i love twitter i love like i i interact like crazy with people on twitter just because it's i'm amazed that people want to but it's uh it's fun and then you get your news there all kind of stuff really fast so yeah jeff turvain on on twitter all right well uh thanks for coming on and you know hopefully we'll have you back on in a few months and you can talk about your new projects i would love that i appreciate you having me on though all right